I just have to tell you, I am so thankful I am a part of the kingdom of God. You know, there's crazy stuff out there. And, and maybe some of you have come from crazy. You know what I mean? Have you ever, you know, just been like, I, yeah, that was me. I came from crazy. <laughs> but you know what? We've been redeemed from crazy. And I have to tell you, it is so good to be a part of what he is doing, to be a part of what he is speaking to us, what he is doing in and through us. It is amazing. And I just have to say, I'm happy. I am so happy to be a part of what he's doing. I wouldn't want to be any other place. I wouldn't want to be serving the world. I wouldn't want to be living for him. I wouldn't want to be going and uh, having him as a master. I've seen where that takes people. And I'm thankful that I am not going that way. That he has put me on a path that as I seek first his kingdom, everything else turns around for good. You know, he can turn messy situations around that's the kind of business that he's in. If you're serving a God that, uh, uh, the God of this world, he will get you into deeper trouble. <laughs> he will get you stirred up into sin and death. That's where it leads you. You know, it's not good to, uh, to drink too much, to, to go and be in drugs, to, to mess around with those kind of things. Because you know what? The end of that is sin and death. It does not get you on the path that you want to go. But as we seek first the kingdom of God, as we follow after him, there is life and life more abundantly. That's the kind of life I want. That's the kind of God that I want to serve. And so this morning, what an honor, what a privilege to know the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who created everything. He is just that kind of God and we're on his team. And I'm so thankful I'm on his team. I wouldn't want to be on any other team. I just love him so much. And I know you do too, which is why you've carved aside this time for him. Because you are seeking him. Because you are putting him first place in your life. And so this morning, I just had it on my heart to share about living a balanced life. You know, uh, there's so many things that we can go off to the right, off to the left, get in a ditch everywhere. But there is something about just going straight down the middle of the road. And so God does that for us. He helps us. As we put him first in our lives, he is, first of all, the most balanced person. He is not one that just, you know, can't relate to people that don't think the way that he thinks. He's just so balanced. And so he has a way of um, bringing, first of all, he is the God of wisdom. If you need wisdom, where do you find it? In a textbook? No. You find it from him. There are times that you learn things from textbooks, but if anything goes away from God, takes you away from God, it's ignorance. It is not truth. And so as we uh, press into him, he gives us wisdom. He brings a love that is not fickle, that's not flaky, that's there one day, gone the next. That is not who God is. He brings an unconditional love to us. He brings joy. 
joy unspeakable. I mean, you can't even talk about it because it's so good. It just comes on the inside of you. That's the kind of life that God has for you. I mean, it's so exciting to be on his team. And then peace, peace that goes beyond your understanding. You know, there's just times in your life where you can't figure it all out. And yet there's peace. In the midst of that, you can be at peace because that's who God is. That's who he is. And then uh, contentment. You know, you just don't even have to be concerned about what somebody else has, what somebody else is doing, because God is bringing contentment because you are made in his image and he has a plan and a purpose for your life and he loves you and he has good things in store for you. And you know, the amazing thing about God is that every single person can have something great that they're doing for him and it doesn't step on somebody else's area, you know? We can all thrive and achieve great things for him, even uh, if somebody else next to us is doing the same thing. It's not a competition. God is so amazing that way. And, you know, apart from him, there is no way to have a balanced life. You know, people try it all the time, and, and that's why you just see a mess. You know, the world tries to have peace away outside of God. There's no peace outside of God. You can raise your fingers. You can have all sorts of tie-dye colors on, but that does not bring you peace. The peace comes from knowing him. He's the one that loves us. He's the one that is has the great bird's eye view. He knows where you need to be, what you need to be doing, and he knows how to get you there. And so as we seek him, as we uh, go towards him, his plan is, is great. One of the things that God has done is he did not give you everything that you need to live this life by yourself. I'm, I'm saying this because God put great and, and mighty things in each and every one of us, and he's at our back, and he multiplies our talents. He multiplies our gifts. But you know what? He told us that we need to be together. You know, uh, he told um, he told us in the Bible. There were times that he told the the people to. The, uh, to go together. You know, when they went into the upper room, uh, he, he put 120 people together and a great explosive thing for the kingdom of God happened when they joined together. And so there's something about, we need each other. We are not meant to go through life alone. Uh, he collectively, all of our talents, all of our gifts, make our marriages strong, make our church strong, make our, our workplace strong. Any place that is willing to put the things of God first is going to be stronger. And then, it's, and then as we come together, we are stronger together. And so today, um, I just wanted to share with you how God will use people to help you run your race. He will bring people in your lives. We need their different perspective. How many of you think that you just know it all? We, no one would raise their hands. Now, sometimes we may still act like it, but deep down, we know we don't know it all. We don't have it all together. We need other people. 
We need other people's perspectives. We need other people's gifts, other people's talents, other people's abilities to join together with ours. And then we are in turn more effective for the kingdom of God, more effective for what he is doing. And so balance works, though, when all parties are choosing to focus on God. Have you noticed that? Like sometimes you can have somebody that is over here looking at God and then somebody that, that's over here looking at everything else, distracted by all these things. It's hard to go down that same path when people are like this. You know, have you ever tried a marriage like that? That's not easy when one's going this way and one's going this way and then you try to, it doesn't work very well. So the more that we are, you know, focused on him uh, and, and a group is focused on him, then you're going to choose to walk in love. That's the thing that helps us as Christians. We have the love of God inside of us. And so as we choose to walk in that love with each other, we're going to um, have a stronger family, a stronger church, a better job, and just friendships in general. You know, it takes love to make this go around. Well, the, the good thing about it is God is love. And so if we're focused on him, then his love in us helps us to overlook things and to be able to move forward. So the first thing that I want to talk about and bring in a balanced life is the church. Um, God chooses, you know, he likened the church to a body. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 in the NLT. Uh, It says, the human body has many parts, But the many parts make up one whole body, so it is with the body of Christ. So right there, it's talking about, you know, each person plays an important role in the church. It's easy to think, well, I don't really, nobody's going to miss me if I don't show up on Sunday. That's not true. That goes against the Bible. The Bible says it is important that you're You have a part that you are playing. You have a part that you are adding to what God is doing. And when you show up, you are facilitating an atmosphere for him to move. You are expecting him to go and speak to you. And as you are expecting, and then there's a room of people that are expecting, guess what? He moves. And that, so that's one thing. When you volunteer, when you give of your time, when you further the kingdom of God in a church, you are uh, developing talents and gifts that God put in you for a reason. And he didn't just put it in you to make money. And he didn't just put it in you to uh, serve, um, you know, natural things. But he put it in you because he has a plan. And as Christians, we're a part of that plan. And so we don't want to get sidelined into thinking, oh, I'm just so busy with all these natural things that we don't set aside, that we don't focus on him. And so uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4, let's go. This talks more about just the diversity in the body of Christ. Said there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. 
there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So we're not supposed to be a one-stop person. You know, everything, we've got it all together. No, the Bible says right here that there are diversities. So as I come and do something and you connect, and then we have somebody over here connecting, together we are a force for the kingdom of God. Have you ever noticed, though, that sometimes it's easy to just want to start isolating yourself? Like you get hurt. We're going to talk more about that in a minute, too. But as at sometimes uh, the devil will look for ways so that people do not come together, so that they don't bring their gifts, so that they get offended, so that things happen and we pull back. And then as we pull back, then we are not as effective. We, we cannot accomplish, yes, maybe you're effective of getting a, a, a raise at work or, or things going on like that, but you're not effective for the kingdom of God. And there's coming a day where your money is not going to go with you. So we are, we are going towards the kingdom of God, going towards heaven. And there's a day that we're going to stand before him and we're going to be accountable. We do not want to be the one person that he took his talent and buried it <laughs> and kept it in the ground. And, and nobody got to have the reward of, uh, of what he did. There was not, the master did not get to have the increase that would have come if he had done something with his talent. And so the body of Christ is like that. We all have talents. We all have a part that we're playing and we will grow together as we uh, seek his kingdom. You know, it's easy to just, the world does not think like that. And if you're surrounded by that influence constantly, it's easy for you to start thinking, well, I got to do this. I got to do that. I just don't have time for this. I don't have time for church. I don't have time to do this. I don't have, and, and really our, our perspective, our priorities are mixed up. Because it's amazing that as we go and serve him and follow after him, he multiplies the offering that you give, the tithes that you give. He, he multiplies the time that you give. He has a way of causing you to um, be better at your, at your job, better in your home, better in all these different places as you put him first. When you do that, then he ends up going and causing an increase. You cannot outgive God. You cannot do so much for God at the expense of other things because he, he, that's not how he works. He will not cause you to lack because you're serving him. He will end up making you stronger, better, enjoying life, having an abundant life as you go after him. So, you know, one of the things that happens is when you bring people together, you have to work together. You can't be dismissive of other people's gifts and talents and just think, you know what, they're just weird. Or they're just, you know, I don't want to deal with them. There is a lot of times that God will bring... Um, people into our lives that think differently, that do things differently. And because of that, we end up being more rounded. God is 
just perfect. The way he is, he's perfect. And now we are his body. And so together, as we uh, choose to work together, as we choose to esteem and value things in other people's lives and uh, look at them as valuable because that's how Jesus sees them. That's how our king, our Lord sees people is valuable. And as we do that, then it gives us this opportunity to work and knit together and, and again, be dynamic for him. But when we're dismissive because they're not like us, uh, we tend to push that gift to the side. You know, we, we don't want to work with them because you know what? They... They don't think the way that I think. But God says, you know, let's come together. Let's work together. Let's pull our talents together and and do something for him together. Uh, When things get tough, you know what? Uh, There are people that have a different perspective that can help you. You know, sometimes we have one way of looking at things, and, and this is the way it is. And then you have other people that are in the body of Christ and they see something a little bit differently and they bring that gift and that talent and help uh, shape a perspective so that you get the whole picture instead of just a one view picture on that. You know, another thing that happens is we lean on each other. We're supposed to lean on one another. Let's look at Acts 4.23. When we lean on another, we get strengthened, emboldened to go and do what God has for us. It says in Acts 23, and being let go, this was after Peter and John were beaten and they healed a man and they got beat up for it. It's just so crazy. But that's sometimes how the world does things. You do something good and you get beat up for it. It's just weird. But they that happened to them and they ran to their own company is what the the King James Version says. This one says they went. I like ran better because I saw like a better picture. But they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So they they didn't just retreat and feel sorry for themselves and just, you know, turn inward and be like, oh, I'm hurt. I don't want to see anyone. No, they ran to get help. They ran to worship with other people. And guess what happens? Let's look at verse 31 in chapter 4. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. That's why we cannot afford to isolate That's why we cannot afford to withdraw. You know, COVID was one of those things where it made everybody isolate. Who do you think was behind that? Who do you think wants us isolated? Who do you think wants us not coming together, not being able to meet together uh, in church or in different things? You know why? Because we're not as effective. When we are separated, when we're, when we're doing our own thing, we're not as effective as when we go together. And when we hurt, we go to church and we worship and we hear the word and we let him heal us. And then we move on and we keep marching forward. 
because God is for us. Who can be against us? That's what we get when we come together. We don't want to be isolated. We don't want to be to ourselves. We need each other. We have to lean on each other. We draw strength from one another when we come together, and that is so important. But in order to do that, we have to walk in love with each other. But guess what that does is that produces growth in us. You know, we want to walk in love with each other. Let's look at John 13, 34 and 35. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What is it that the thing, what is one thing that people like to do when a church falls? See, look at them. God doesn't work. But when a church is a mighty moving force because they're walking in love with each other, it is something that brings light to a community, hope to a community. And so we want to walk in love. Yes, there are people that are different. Yes, they think differently. We don't dismiss that. But we go forward and say, you know what? You're imperfect, but I'm with you. You don't do things the way I like, but I'm with you. And you just keep marching forward. Love believes the best. Love overlooks faults. Love never fails. It never gives up. It never quits. That's how God loves us. And in turn, when we have a church that loves each other, that uh, is committed to each other, committed to each other and committed to God. And we overlook and we run together because you know what? Our eyes are focused on him, not on each other. Our eyes are focused on him and we are choosing to go forward and know that God is using a corporate body of believers to further his kingdom. And that is something that we are going forward. We need each other, but we have to walk in love. If you think that your differences are always someone else's problems, it's hard to grow. Sometimes we have to look at ourselves and say, you know what? I need to grow in this area. I need to be able to hear other viewpoints and not just fly off the handle. You know, have you ever just gotten angry just because somebody said something that you didn't like? Well, there are times that, you know, there are definitely things that don't line up with the word and the word is our truth. <laughs> the, the word is our anchor. But then there's other times that we have to walk in love and just realize there's more than one way to do something. And a lot of times God puts and connects different people together, like I said, because we add value to each other. We add value to the kingdom of God when we do together. Have you ever noticed that sometimes working with people, it rounds off the, the rough edges in your life? Let's look at uh, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. As iron sharpens iron, this is just not a fun scripture. But as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You know, you just want friends that just love you and make you feel good about yourself all the time. But there are times that that doesn't happen. Sometimes we go like this and we grow. 
when that happens. You know, this is referring to blades that are that are going back and forth on each other, and then it makes the blade sharper, and so then your knife is more effective. That's what happens when we're with people. We become more effective. You know, we could just be grouchy all the time and unbearable, and nobody wants to be with us. Nobody wants to be around us, and you are zero influence in the kingdom of God when you live like that. You want to be one of those that people want to be around, that they want to be, because then you have the ability to speak into their lives. You have the ability to share the love of God, and that love is what changes. That love is what turns the hearts of men towards God. They're looking. They want to be loved. They're looking for that. And so we can just dismiss people and say, I don't like you. You can't reach that person. There, there's no, the wall on your end is up. The wall on their end is up. You can't reach them. And so we have to be careful. We have to be like, Lord, give us wisdom when I'm dealing with someone else and they see things differently. Like I said, it doesn't mean that you compromise truths. You don't do that. Maybe there's some things that, you know, they have to come back over here too. But we don't want to compromise truths. But at the same time, we, have, we want to be in a place to where uh, we can reach the kingdom of God. You know, we have to be on guard for divisions. The devil will cause offense in our marriages, in our families, in our churches, in friendships. He will do that because if he can divide, he can conquer. He can destroy. He can destroy your life. He can destroy your children's life. He can destroy a a body of Christ. You know, you hear of churches that divide and split and all sorts of weird things happening, you know, and, and the media loves to hone in on when a minister does something wrong and all the attention goes on that and see, and then everybody's like, yeah, all, all people are hypocrites. All Christians are hypocrites. That's not true. That's not true. Not true at all. And so People will say, well, I'm not going to go to church because people are hypocrites. Okay? That's not God. You just find another church. (laughs) You just go where you're supposed to go. You just do. You be where you're supposed to be. Because God is moving. And he needs every Christian that will sign up for it. He needs us all to be in the right place at the right time to further his kingdom because he's doing stuff. He is working. And so, you know, uh, another thing as far as the church is concerned, Jim had a series called The Role of the Pastor. In this series, he goes in depth on how God uses the pastor to feed, lead, protect, correct, and equip the, the local church. This brings balance to the body of Christ. It brings balance to our lives. Uh, God will use a, a pastor. You, if you can't connect and respect uh, the, the pastor, it, it's a really hard place for you to be in that church because you have shut down the ability to hear from God through that, through that man of God. And so if that has happened and, and you are in a place where 
you can't see eye to eye with them, then there are things that maybe it's better for you to move on. And sometimes people move on and it's not God. And sometimes people move on and it is God. And the only way that you can know that is by checking your heart and following your heart because he will lead you. But you, if you cannot receive from the person that's speaking on a Sunday morning and giving to you, then that makes it very hard for you to be a part of what God is doing because it, it, there's, there's a separation. There's this wall there that's gone up. And so it's very important that where you are hooked up, that you trust. Not that that person is perfect, because I can tell you they're not. (laughs) I can tell you that for sure. They're not going to do everything right. They're not going to say everything right. But it is very important that you can trust that God will speak through them to you and will connect with your heart and will help you run your race. And so that's one way. Now let's move on to families and friends. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. But if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? The one may be overpowered by another. Two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. It is so important that we, resound, we uh, surround ourselves with people in our lives. Uh, one of these areas of people in our lives can be a marriage. You know, uh, a godly spouse is so important. You know, uh, you don't want to get married just for the sake of getting married. It just doesn't work. You want to get married to the right person because you are stuck with that person for life. (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of people that can tell you what it's like to marry the wrong. (laughs) There's a lot of people that can tell you what it's like to live you're wanting to serve God, and the other person doesn't want to. You're sold out for him, but the other person isn't. And so who we marry is so important. So while you're single, choose wisely. Don't just marry because, well, I don't, I'm tired of being alone. Let me tell you, in a couple of weeks, you'll think differently. If you married the wrong person, you'll be like, I want to be alone. <laughs> so who we marry is very, very important. And so choose wisely. Choose wisely. Don't mess around with people that aren't following after God. Teenagers, young adults, don't mess around. You can slide into something so easy because you get emotionally attached and you can't hear your heart. And when that happens, you can make decisions that are very bad, that will hurt you that will keep you from being able to do all that God has for you. God had a purpose for your life when you were born, before you were born. He knew what he wanted to do in and through you. And sometimes, if you're not careful, if you're just messing around, because everybody else has a boyfriend or everybody else has a girlfriend, you are embarking, you're, you're messing with something that is very precious, 
that's very important, that's very special. And so you are a gift from God for somebody. And so you don't want to mess with that. You want to have somebody that is worthy of that gift. Somebody that is going to appreciate that gift. Somebody that's going to value, esteem, think it's a gift from God. And so it's very, very important. If you're marrying somebody that's not a Christian, they don't have the love of God shed in their hearts because they haven't connected to that love yet. And so it's very, very important. I cannot stress that enough. You, you want to choose wisely. So while you are single, don't be in a rush. And I just have to tell you, when you get married, you have to go and decide to follow and walk in love. You know, you have this gift that's now been given to you. You chose them. So if you're going to complain about them, guess what? doesn't speak too well on you because you were the one that chose it. <laughs> Says that you had bad taste. <laughs> so instead of being like that, say, I had good taste. I love this person. They're a very good person. I'm happy to be with them. I'm thankful to God that he connected us. The love of God is what makes differences uh, mold together. You will not marry somebody like you. And trust me, that is so good. <laughs> Let's look at uh, Proverbs 18.22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You know, it's important that we realize that when, when you have a wife, when you have a spouse, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. God ordained this. When he made Adam, he saw that it was not good for him to be alone, and so he created a partner because he knew Adam. I mean, he came from God, and yet he didn't have it all. He didn't have everything he needed. And so God made this beautiful woman and helped him, and she was a help until she wasn't, but... She was a help. <laughs> but you know what? He did not take the authority that he had as the man. So you can't just blame it all on the woman. It was a team thing. They both fell. They all, they, he, nobody twisted his arm. Yes, she was beautiful, but he fell right alongside. All right. So there we have it. All right. So. We have to look at as, as a marriage as a team. You know, there are, there are roles in a marriage that help a marriage to operate. There are things that God set up. But both the husband and wife are valuable to God. It's not just the husband that's valuable. Some men think that they are God's gift to the woman. Thankfully, no one in this, in this place but some men treat women so poorly, like they're trash. That's why there's a rebellion. If men treated women like the weaker vessel that they are and loved and esteemed and valued them, you wouldn't be seeing a woman's movement that's going and trying to usurp the, the authority of the men. 
They are doing that to protect themselves because a lot of them have been hurt. A lot of them were stepped on, thrown aside. Men have done some really mean, ugly things to women. And then you know what happens? Women do some really ugly things back to men. You know what they do? They try to be the man. Why? Why? I'm so thankful I'm not a man. You know, I mean, I'm glad. I like being female. Goodness, why do I want to be a male? I'm not going to be good at it. I wasn't created to be a man. I was created to be a woman. And so I'm going to be better at being a woman than I am at a man. Okay? All right. So thank God. Didn't mean to go there, but I did. So, <laughs> Anyways, so... We want to we esteem and value our differences. I love the fact that Jim is so organized and stable and just constant and steady. And he just keeps moving forward, moving forward. You know why? Because it lets me flit. I can be friendly and just like, hi, how are you doing? <laughs> Because there's somebody stable anchoring the ship. (laughs) I love that. We are meant to compliment one another. You know, if you get mad at your spouse because she doesn't do something or he doesn't do something the way you do it, maybe that's because you're supposed to do it. Maybe that's because that's the gift that you have. And she has a different or he has a different gift. And so we work together in a marriage. And marriage does take walking in love, believing the best. How many of you have ever had to believe she did not mean what she just said? (laughs) He did not mean what he just said. (laughs) How many of you have had to trust God that, okay, God, (laughs) you're going to work this through. (laughs) You're going to help us out here. You know, we have different genders for a reason. We have different personalities for a reason. We have different talents and gifts that we bring into a marriage for a reason. Because if we were a carbon copy of, of who we married, there's, there's only so much that we can do. Because all we see is this perspective. And all we can do is this talent. But when we have different talents and different abilities, it rounds out things. And so we want to celebrate those differences. Those differences come with different weaknesses. Sometimes your spouse has weaknesses that just drive you nuts. But you know what? You have weaknesses that drive them nuts too. So let's just be real. Let's overlook the other person's weakness because you know what? It's frustrating when all you see is somebody going, yeet, 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 yeet. You're not good at this. You're not good at that. You don't do this right. We don't like that. So why do that to our spouse? God doesn't work that way with us. He is not up in heaven just going, ching, 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 ching. He doesn't. Do you know what he does? He values and esteems. And he believes the best. And sometimes he corrects. But he is helping us, and he loves us in the process. I can tell you that when you feel loved by God, it is a lot easier to change than when you feel beat up. 
If you feel beat up, you just, why bother? I can't do anything right anyways. You don't want to keep pushing forward. I'm still talking about balance. (laughs) Talking about balance because it makes us have to grow up to walk in love with people. It makes us have to grow up. And if we quit and choose not to move forward in walking in love with people and walking and, and doing things God's way, that end is miserable. That end is miserable because you know what? You're alone and you're hurt and you're angry and you're disappointed and you're disillusioned with life. And so we don't want that. We want the balance that God uses other people to bring into our lives. Makes us stronger, makes us better, makes us more effective for kingdom of God. All right, kids. Boy, if there is anything that can bring balance to your life, it is kids. I'm just telling you, we have four, and they are so different. And they are such a blessing. They are, God says they're a gift from God, and they are. They are a gift. You know, again, sometimes we can see life a certain way, and our children just don't get it. Have you ever noticed that? You know, they just don't, they don't look at it like we do. And so it rounds us out because we have to begin to be like, okay, how God, do I reach this child? (laughs) How do I help them serve you? How do I help them run after the things of God? And and there are just times where you're on your face before God, just saying, help, I need help. (laughs) Not because they're bad, but just because they have differences, different strengths, different abilities. Oh, I, you know, there are some moms that are so laid back and their kid is just, you know, going to take charge. That's a different viewpoint for this mom. And she has to figure out how her laid back tendencies are going to corral this kid. You know, I mean, it's work. Parenting is work and it's not easy, but it is a blessing. It is a gift. And so Kids bring balance to a family. You know, it's amazing how that happens. When they're young, they shouldn't be leading the family. You see that sometimes happen where the kid is definitely in charge of the home. And that doesn't work. The kids should be following because they're learning. They weren't meant, They, you know, the reason they have you as a parent is because they don't know everything. So you're helping them. But they do bring a different way of doing things into a home. And so I have learned so many things from my kids' perspectives. You know, just um, some of them are, they just think differently than I do. They do things differently than I do. There's some times where I can lean on them, even if I could do it myself. You know, how many of you have tried to clean the whole house by yourself? It takes some time. But when you can lean on a kid to help you do things, they may not do it quite the same because of their age or whatever, but you're training them. Eventually, it ends up being a blessing to have... uh, kids uh, to be able to help the family to move forward. You know, uh, it's so funny. Our kids, they mow the lawn. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of people in Andover, they pay for lawn services. And so it's so funny because we get comments all the time. I saw your girls mowing the lawn. It was so cool. Like, really? That's a novelty? I grew up mowing the lawn my whole life. (laughs) But cool. I'm glad you think it's awesome. (laughs) But yes, I mean, we work together. Our family goes forward. Things can happen quicker and easier as a family. And so it's so important, though, that we focus our family on God. Because a lot of times what can happen is if we aren't focused on God and we are helping them to achieve great and mighty things away from God, our kids can go away from God. And so we want to make sure that everything that we do as a family is centered on we're doing this for the kingdom of God. You know, uh, that's the wisdom because when we get to heaven, it doesn't matter how big their house was. What matters is that they're with you in heaven. And so we are focusing our children to serve him. And as we do, our family becomes this dynamic force for him. I cannot tell you how many times God has used my kids to be able to reach people that I would never be able to reach. You know, that's the way we want our homes to be is... uh, is a, is a force for God, for his kingdom, for what he is doing. All right, another area is having good godly friends. Uh, it's easy when you've been hurt to pull back and just not want to be around people because people are messy, and, and they do and they say things that aren't loving always. And, you know, it, it's a two-way street. You have to put up with them, and they have to put up with you. But when you have a good, godly friend, it's an avenue for God to bring balance into your life and encourage you when you need encouragement. Let's look at Proverbs fifteen twenty two. It says, without counsel, plans go array, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. You know, there's just times that that you need a good godly friend to call and say, remind me how God is going to come through in this situation. Remind me how I'm going to win. Because there are situations that we face that are our pressures in life. And sometimes when you're in the midst of it, you can feel alone and it's hard for you to see the forest for all of the trees. You know that saying? It's hard for you to see clearly because you're in something. But then you talk to somebody that's on the outside, and they can see perfectly. Because they don't have the pressure that you have at that moment. They're not facing things the way that you face, that you're facing them. And it's really important that uh, that we, it, it doesn't mean that you have to go through and just give every detail of every negative thing that is going on in your life, you don't necessarily have to rehash that because sometimes all that does is stir up more anger and frustration and all that. It's not that we can't talk about those kind of things, but sometimes all we need to say to someone is like, could you just remind me that God loves me, that he's for me, that I'm going to win, that I'm going to overcome. And so we need good, godly friends, which is part of the reason I'm going to put a plug in here. That's why we have all the different activities that we have so you can make good godly friends. (laughs) Youth, 
don't tell me that you don't know any Christians because after today you could know a lot. <laughs> That's why we have these events. Young adults, uh, there was an activity this last Thursday where you had an opportunity to meet good. I mean, these are some of the cream of the crop. They are so awesome. I love these people. And then we went miniature golfing with our 30s and 40s. And I'm telling you, it was sweet fellowship. It was so good. And then we have a 50s and up group. You know, we have something for everyone. And 50s and up, we do things differently than the 30s and 40s. We just sit and eat. And it is fun. (laughs) We love it. So there's something for everyone, you know. And so we we do want to develop good godly friendships. And that takes time. You're not as close to someone that you just met yesterday as you are somebody that you've known for maybe two months. You put that a year. You put that 10 years. Somebody that has put up with you and did not quit being your friend after 15 years, you know they're gold. (laughs) You know, okay, they've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they have still stuck. That's a good friend to have, you know? So we want those kind of friends. Let's go on to coworkers, because coworkers can be some one of those things that's a little bit, well, you know, some of them are serving God, some aren't. <laughs> Sometimes work can be a test of faith. <laughs> You're like, God, help me. <laughs> help me help you. You know? Because if they're not saved, you're trying to help them see the love of Jesus in you so that they are drawn to the love of Jesus. And some of them are like doing everything they can to run away from the love of God. You're like, why would you do that? That's so dumb. But you have to have patience with them. And you have to love them in spite of their ignorance at the time. So you just walk out things with them. But you know, at work, there are some people that are natural leaders. Usually... Uh, they can see the big picture. A lot of times, maybe they're the owner. Have you ever noticed that when you're not the owner, the owner is dumb? Why did they do it that way? Yeah. But there's more than one way to do something. And so this is the way that the owner thinks, the boss thinks. And so, yes, maybe they could do things a little bit differently, but they're where they are because they have a gift, a gift to start something, a gift to lead something. They can see things that, you know, a lot of times people that can hone in on a problem and fix it, they would not be a good person to lead a company. But yet their part is very valuable. They they are needed. They need to be able to see, oh, this needs to be fixed. You know, um, There are people that can take the big picture and break it down into tasks and make it happen. And they're just great at organizing and dealing with people. Man, those are so valuable to a job, to a workplace. They're so valuable to that leader. I have to tell you, again, just think of it like this. If if you are working, if you were the owner of a company, whether you are or not, and somebody just thinks you're stupid, do you think like you just want to promote them up the company ladder? Probably not, because they don't have your back. They don't like you. They think you're a fool. And so this is something that we want to check. What are we supposed to be doing? What job are we supposed to be doing? And when we do it, we want to be an asset. 
We want to be a help. We want to get that company as prosperous as, pro- as possible so that in turn we receive the blessing, whether it's bonuses, whether it's pay raises, whatever it is. Um, so there are people, like I said, that can find problems. You know, uh, Jim is a, a, a software engineer, and so his job is to write software and then find where it messes up. So he has to be critical and look and find things that don't work or that could cause a problem. Or, uh, you know, uh, somebody comes back and says, this isn't working. He, has to, he had to find where it didn't work and then make it work and make it a better product because he added value to that product by what he was doing. And so that is an important uh, asset to a company is somebody, you know, that can do that. Then there's people that are just stable. I mean, they just keep plugging and plugging and plugging and plugging and plugging until the job gets done. And you need all these different types. And that's not even all the ones. That's just a few to just throw out there. There's so many different types of people and giftings and callings. And and if the person who can see the big picture doesn't appreciate the person who can find the faults and say this doesn't work quite right, then then it, it's not acting as a balance to one another. And so we want to balance one another and esteem the gifts and esteem what is in different people uh, to, uh, to make a workplace better. And like I said, the happier you are, the more thankful. And so for some personalities, that's easier than others. But we do have the love of God on the inside of us. And so we want to add value everywhere we go. And one of the uh, places that God uses us is our work, is our job. And we want to be able to be a light in our jobs um, and a blessing to people. And we cannot do that if we're always grumbling and complaining. And God is not a grumbler and he's not a complainer. He, that's not how he does things. That's not how he works. And so we want to do things the way he does things because it gets the job done. And it's effective. And we're happier in the meantime. You know, when you start focusing on the negatives of something, it just makes you mad. It makes you frustrated. It makes you disillusioned. But when you start looking for good, God help me find good. <laughs> It doesn't seem like there's any good at all in this place. <laughs> but when you start looking for the good, it's amazing how all of a sudden, well, that's not as bad as I thought. It's not as bad. And so, yes, when you have bosses that are not saved, they're going to do things that are not saved. They're not going to walk in love with you. And so there are going to be things and challenges that you're going to face You know, that brings me to the last thing that I want to talk about is people who are just difficult. You know, there are people in our lives that just will not work with us. Why is that? We're so lovable. How could they not want to work with us? (laughs) We're such a gift. That's how God sees us. Why can't they see that? But you know what? There are sometimes that people don't appreciate you, don't esteem, don't evaluate value you 
And you know, what do you do in those kind of situations? Those are tough. Those are tough relationships. It's really tough if it's a marriage. Oh, you know, where you don't feel valued, you don't feel appreciated. It's tough when you don't feel loved and appreciated in your family, you know? Sometimes kids don't feel like their parents think highly of them. Sometimes parents don't feel like their kids think highly of them. All of these kind of things are hurtful. It's tough. It's not easy to walk through some of those things. You know, and, and it's, when we're in those kind of situations, that's when we have to pray. <laughs> because we don't know what to do. And every situation is different, so sometimes there's not even something that somebody can tell you what to do. Sometimes there's a prayer that is happening where you are praying on behalf of the person that you're either having trouble, you know, you may be having trouble loving them, they're having trouble loving you. And you just have to pray and ask God for wisdom and favor and guidance and mercy. Sometimes you have to ask for mercy on their souls. Sometimes you may be the one that needs mercy on your soul. Maybe there's something that is causing this rift. And it, it's these kind of relationships that can cause us to draw back and quit and feel there's no hope. If this person could hurt me, other people could hurt me, and I just don't want to be around people. Or it's these kind of situations where we just keep pushing forward and reminding ourselves how God sees us. You know what? God says I'm the head and not the tail. It doesn't matter what this other person thinks. It doesn't take away from who God, how he sees me. And so we hold our head high and we're confident. We're not groveling. Oh, please like me. Please like me. Please, please, please. People will walk over you when you grovel, when you put yourself underneath them. They will walk over you. But when you stand up tall as a child of the most high God, the greater one is on the inside of you. He loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's working all things around for your good. When you are confident, you will uh, have wisdom to navigate situations. When you are fearful, you will do stupid stuff. You just will, because you don't want to get hurt. So you'll put walls up, anything to protect yourself. But there are some relationships that we have to push forward in and get the victory in. And if we don't have the wisdom on how to do that, we pray. And we pray and we keep praying and we keep expecting. The Bible says that if you ask for wisdom, he is going to give it to you. And so we just keep believing, I have wisdom. I have favor with this person. I have wisdom on how to navigate this relationship. I can do all things. I can. <laughs> the love of God is on the inside of me right now. Yes, I am being very patient. I'm being extremely long-suffering right now. I have suffered for a long time. <laughs> there are relationships like that where you have, you have just, Mm, put up with a lot of stuff. 
But then we, then we do. We ask God, is there anything in, in me that I can change? Because you can't change the other person. They have to change them. But you can change you. Is there anything in me, God, that I can do, that I can change, that will help me be a better spouse, a better parent, a better child, a better coworker, a better friend? Is there anything in me? And as you do that, it's not always easy to hear an answer. And it's not always easy to do the answer. And that's when, again, we pray. <laughs> God, help me. <laughs> help me. Help me to react the way you would have me react. Help me to believe the best the way that you would believe the best. You love this person. Help me to see them the way you see them. Help me to remember why I married them, God. You know, sometimes that's, that's the truth. You can be so hurt, so, you know, that you can't even remember what good that person ever had. <laughs> what was it that I even liked about them? But God, as you begin to just uh, ask him for his help, he'll give you wisdom. There are relationships that just need to be ended. There are things that... You know, if someone's abusive physically, if someone's, you know, doing crazy marital stuff, there are things that, that God gives the okay to walk away. So I'm not saying that every situation is going to turn around. If someone's choosing not to live godly, sometimes, you know, there are just different things that happen. But if there is, that's like, you know, those are some exceptions, but mostly there are things that you push through, you walk in love, and God can turn things around. He can do miraculous things because that's the business he's in. He does miracles. And so pray, ask him for wisdom, ask him instead of just looking and honing in on all their faults because they have them. Begin to start focusing on what you like about them. Begin to start valuing and esteeming and complimenting and saying, you know what, I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate that. I'm telling you, after this week of Jim not being here, I really appreciate him. <laughs> I'm just like, thank God he's coming home tomorrow. <laughs> but you know... Marriage is marriage. You have to. You have to dig deep on some things. There are times that you have to dig in and say, you know what? I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to believe. I'm going to hone in on the positive. I'm going to hone in on how they bring balance to my life and focus in on that. And sometimes I can remember our pastor in Nebraska. He said there was a point in uh, his relationship with his wife. They just couldn't stand each other. They just did not like each other. That's not a good place. That's not a good place. And so he said God spoke to his heart and told him, start saying you love her. He's like, but I don't love her. <laughs> I fell out of love with her. <laughs> but he said, you know, I'm, I'm obeying God. And even though it wasn't easy, I just began to say, I love Mrs. Kisley. 
He didn't call her Mrs. Kisling. I call her Mrs. Kisling. <laughs> I love her. I love her. And I mean, he just meditated on that over and over and over. I love her. I love her. I love her. And he said it did not happen overnight. But eventually he started to like her. <laughs> and so then he kept saying it and saying it and saying it, meditating on it. Thank you, God. I got the love of God on the inside of me. I love her with this. He said after a while, he genuinely liked her again and then loved her and then wanted to be around her. And, you know, they're, they're such a sweet, precious couple. And, uh, you know, they put so much into our marriage when we were going to their church, getting solid, getting established as a couple. They put a lot into us of truths that they had to walk out, and it wasn't easy. And so marriage isn't easy. Friendships aren't easy. People aren't easy. Kids aren't easy. But God said they're a blessing. And so they are. And so if they're not a blessing, we do what we can to get it to where they're a blessing. (laughs) And we trust God and we honor him and we just are thankful because he brought these people in our lives for a reason. He put us together for a reason. He loves us for a reason. He knew we needed people. And even if we're single, we still need people. We need good, godly friends.